When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listening to the Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Hey, I'm Steph March. And it is Cookbook Swap Day. We're very excited to meet all of you. I think we had 30 tickets left at the beginning of this hour. Yes. That you can get online and they will offer, I think, some walk up too. Yeah. Um, That will give us a full group though. So we are going to be furiously sorting your books. Right. And And so the way it works is like you come, you drop off your books from 12 to 1. Um, and if you get there a little bit early to drop off books, that's okay. Um, and then you get, you know, you get your cocktail and you and you can walk around and I would say plan lunch. Like go yeah. sit and eat lunch while we're sorting cookbooks because it's a lot. And we give you an hour to kind of drop. And then at one o'clock, we're going to open up the raffle. We're going to talk about, you know, kind of what we have to offer. Um, and then we kind of give a little, you know, just a little fun spiel. And then one person gets a 30 second advanced start. And then we just kind of open the gates and you guys can, you know, peruse and look. And here's the important part. We don't let you look at the. We don't let you into the sorting area before. So you don't know what's in there because we don't want everyone just beelining to the one thing that they want. So we kind of let it be uh, all at once, which can be chaotic, but it's fun. It should be fun. It should be fun. It's always fun. It should be. It should be a very. And what I want to say is just keep. Keep a good, you know, sense about it that this is just all a transfer of ownership. Good attitude. Yeah. Yeah. We only had one person who kind of, kind of rained on our parade and that's okay. That's feelings are feelings. Yeah. I'm done with your feelings. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. <laughs> Keep your feelings to yourself. I don't need to hear them. Oh it's for charity. We're it's doing charity. our best. Bye. Well, okay. Okay. That's anyway, how I feel about that's that. That's how she felt about that. All right. So this week, uh, we will tell you, we haven't done our top two it's together top for two a while. In, so know. it's top two an hour two. Give him the old one, two. One, two, one, two. And now the Weekly Dish presents top two, top two. The top two. Pick your best two. In our two. All right. Give me two. Winning, winning, winning. All right. All right. I had the distinct pleasure this week of doing some filming with Sean Sherman at the Indigenous Food Lab. And when I went to that opening in the Midtown Global Market, probably, I guess it was like three, maybe four months ago, I don't remember how long ago it was. I did not get to eat because it was like overrun with people. Yeah. So I actually got to eat some of the food for the first time. And I loved, it was a taco, but it was made with um, bison. 
and it had a kale and Swiss chard uh, stir fried greens yeah. on top. Yeah. And then it had a, what did he call it? Wasabi sauce, mm-hmm. which was aronia berries and different wild berries with kind of a vinegary tang. Yep. That was sweet, but sort of sour. And all of that in a blue corn tortilla was delicious. And that is on the menu at the Indigenous Food Lab in the Midtown Global Market. So that is my top my top That's one. your first mm-hmm. one. All right. My first one is going to be Pimento, which is opening there in the Bidet Macasca Pavilion. Um, and I had the great chance to go chat with Tommy Beavis. And I got to tell you, that guy is sunshine. His you wife feeling, is too. Oh, Dara as well. Dara Beavis, she who's is an accomplished author. Wise Inc. Publishing oh Company God, and helped so publish great. so many people's stories. But so having them be, you know, and having him be this like face of this and just having him be putting his love into this space. It really is wonderful. And here's it truly is. He says when you see him, he says, welcome home. And he really wants the space to be a meeting space for everybody because, you know, he lives, they live in Edina and they have a lot of Edina friends and, and South Metro and whatever. And then having like those people be able to come and also feel like the city people and all the kind of thing where there's really a vibe of welcomeness. And I got to tell you, it's the pavilion is cool and it is a walk up situation. You go up to the counter, you're going to order your one love bowl and then you're going to go sit at the patio. They're going to try to keep that open as long as possible. Is there a parking lot there? No. Okay. So good luck on that. There's a lot of walking. There's a lot of street parking in that area. But I would say I would park up the hill, you know, and then just walk down. Yep. And or I would say park somewhere else and then walk around the lake and land there. Like, that's always a good one. There is a parking lot kind of over by on the other side of that blue building with like the sailboat thing on it. Uh Uh-huh. You know, you can park there and then just walk over. That's kind of a nice thing to do. Uh Uh-huh. So I don't know. And I love the fact that he's got a market there that Mitch uh, Berthume has helped uh, curate this market that definitely will be open year round. And not only are they going to have sandwiches and grab and go for that, but she's curated like 20 local BIPOC and women uh, crafted items. And so there's like cutting boards and there's jewelry and there's like, here's the deal. Spices will be there with their new taco seasoning blend. That's really delicious. Yeah. And they've got a lot of great stuff there. So that's what I love about Pimento at Bidet Macasca. Okay, my next one. So you guys know I have a big, huge garden in the summer. So I don't do CSA during the summer because I have my own vegetables. But then I come home and I'm sad and lonely because I don't have beets and carrots and potatoes and all of the fall root things. So I joined a CSA that's just for the fall. Good. And I go with Foxtail Farms. And they allow you to, I get it every, I get it twice a month um, during the fall. So October, November, December, I can add bread, I can add cheese, I can add some meats onto it and eggs. They go with um, some of their local neighbors and put together a really nice share. And I just got an email that said they had like 15 shares left for the fall. So I'm going to go ahead and put a link on our Facebook page. If anyone's looking for just a fall farm share that takes you through feasting season, um, they do give you greens every because they have like hoop houses and 
One year we got squash soup. Like they give you some prepared items too. It's really a lovely farm share. You get a newsletter and I just like it. So I'm going to put a link up. That's for Foxtel Farms. Do you get, does it come to your house or where do you... I go pick it up, but they have like 12 different pickup spots. There's okay. a lot. And how, how much is it? Do you know what you... 20 bucks. 20 bucks per box? Yes. Oh, that's 21 amazing. something. And then that's... And then you add you on. Add it. You can add on. I usually add on bread. Okay. Um... I don't add on cheese because it's Shepherd Farms or Shepherd's Way cheese that I usually get anyway. There says starting at fifty one bucks per box. Uh yeah, maybe. Okay, I might be telling you the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> I just clicked into it. That's why I asked because I was like, was there a different one? But it is a super full box okay. of stuff. That's a no. I think that's amazing. I think and that's really good. It's all that like stuff that lasts in your freezer for a fridge for a long time. Yeah. So like, I get you know carrots and I have those until uh, Christmas time. Yeah. No, so, I think that's yeah, fantastic. I'm really excited about it. I loved it when we did it last fall. And Kurt asked me, he was like, are you going to get that box again? I did mine from the Good uh, Acre. Yeah. You know, and that was one. They were delivering it to Honey and Ryan. I would pick it up there. And they're they're not doing it that pickup spot for me. So I didn't do it this year. But I regret it. Yeah. Mine is right behind Modern Well at a house. Yeah. See? Right by it close to us by Cedar Lake. Yeah. And mine is way up. I mean, like, if I picked up at Good Egg already, they'd have to be there yep. or downtown. So, and it is funny. The pickup spot is a it factor matters. for me. Yeah, for sure. I, and I couldn't do it. So, yeah, I love for that. sure. Um, okay. So, my second one is going to be, uh, is going to be Bole Ethiopian restaurant where I ate last night with it looked the so ladies. good with the Nigeria. Oh, is God, that how you say Nigeria, that? Yeah. I've, and it was just, yeah, the injera was like this sponge. Literally, we were all Googling, how do you make injera? Which it's just fermented. It's like almost like a, a wild fermented sponge bread, and it's but it's a flat bread, but it's so spongy. It is because you let it sit for five days. Okay, it has to ferment that long, and it is basically this teff flour with water. I mean, I'm not doing it because I don't need to do it because I'm just going to go to Bole. And but what I love about that place is that it's over in Como, and they do have a they do have a location in St. Paul, also I think on Grand Avenue as an express. But going to the Como restaurant, we sat at this long bar and we had these big platters and you eat with your fingers like you eat with your hands, which is my preferred way of eating. You guys. Mine too. So we basically like had you get this lovely platter, this beautiful sponge bread uh, kind of with dotted with like different curries and lentils and stewed meats. And then we ordered more stewed like the combo platter of a whole bunch of different like stewed lamb, stewed beef, chicken, all of it. And you just kind of keep using your injera to like grab the bite and then eat it. And I just want to do that with everything now. <laughs> and it was just a really, honestly, really, um, it was wonderful to be there and just sort of, nobody really was an expert. We were all kind of like, yep, yeah, let's just figure it out. Right. Our server helped us through. He really talked through what we should do. And then just was like, okay, then get these French fries. He's like, also get the, the kitfo, which is this crispy, they fry up the injera and they roll it with beef oh my god and it's in a butter that sauce sounds delicious dang girl that was amazing so how about trying that too with your kids yes like one thing that i was so proud of of the spain trip and these are adults not yeah. kids but a lot of these people were not very adventurous eaters really they admittedly. went on a food trip yeah isn't that funny but i think they liked being pushed out of their comfort zone yeah they a little needed bit. the trip to maybe do that yeah and like one lady was not gonna try what was it um oh mussels and she was just like no i i'm not gonna and i was like come on yes yeah. i was like what do you think she's like i don't know they just don't look very good i'm like just try one just try one and then she did and she liked it and oh. i was like see 
like now maybe you'll order mussels again on another trip or yeah, just trying new things. Yeah. Okay. I love get that. people to try new stuff. I love it. All right. We got to take a break. We come back. We got Amy Thielen on the phone. We're excited by that. We'll be we right are. I used to haunt this house. The sweet couple who live here were terrified. But then they joined the YMCA. Now they're less stressed and I can't scare them anymore. I write things on the mirror and they think it's cute. I flicker the lights and they laugh. It's like the Y improved their well-being and calm their minds. <sighs> Want to annoy your ghost? Get healthy at ymcanorth.org. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. So it is cookbook swap day. We've already said this a million times. We do hope to see you guys there. Um, and then if you can't, you know, we're going to do it again next year, hopefully. So, yes. Because Lord knows there are enough cookbooks around the world to be coming in and out of, you know, so many homes. In fact, I think the little free libraries, when I think about that, I think there should just essentially oh, that's be a great idea. cookbook libraries, you know, that are like this. But you should do that. You know, that is a great idea. I don't want to build one on my lawn. So <laughs> someone drop one off at Stephanie's house. Then we'll have to like then I'll have to like mow around it and all that kind of stuff. So but I do think that there's uh, I do love the fact that when we're swapping every year. Um, you know, watching everybody kind of get excited about what the potential is for their cooking season ahead. And that's what I love. Um, so I had a chance to hang out with Zoe Francois this week. Um, we were speaking at a, a women's empowerment meeting and there is, um, there's something about, uh, you know, we're talking about her trajectory, right? We're talking about the fact that she couldn't be doing the career she's doing if it had not been for the internet. Because Instagram is something that, sure. you know, has completely driven her book deal. And, you know, and while she was a successful author with Artisan Bread and Five for so long, she also, um, you know, when she wanted to do her own book, her Zoe Bakes, or her, you know, the cake book, which, by the way, I have a copy to put in the swap today okay. for the raffle. Um, but the idea that she didn't have her career until there was that, right? So then now we're talking about the next thing that we're talking about is AI, artificial intelligence, obviously. And you guys have all people are either like super jazzed about AI or they're terrified about AI. Um, and as creators, it's something that we kind of have to figure. I mean, it factored massively into the Writers Guild and the... It's still. Yeah. It's why they haven't settled the actor strike yeah. yet. Because, because they're using AI to create bots that act like actors. Yeah. That and, are this look the same that you don't even voices. know, like Tom Hanks. Yeah. Oh, have you seen the Keanu Reeves ones? The dupes? I mean, my God. And so the thing is, is that if that's the case, you know, we think about as creators and as cookbook authors... What do you are? I asked Zoe if she was worried about AI in the future. And so I'm going to ask you that first before I tell you what she said. I want to know what you're going to say. Are you worried about it as a cookbook author? I think everybody should be worried about authentic work, whether that's written as a fiction book, whether that's written as a cookbook. You already through the chat bots can Google any recipe or chat any recipe and something will come up. Mm -hmm. So what they've done is they've taken all of this content that's out there and distilled it down. So they have the apple crisp recipe that is the definitive apple crisp recipe, the black bean soup recipe. I do think for um, most people, yeah, it's a problem. 
it's a problem because how do you authenticate your work? I I think it gets real problematic for like we talk about actors. Also, when we talk about um, <laughs> uh, when we talk about um, who is owning of the work, when we talk about uh, people's faces being used and voices being used to create Tom Hanks lookalikes. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a problem. I think I messed up. I messed up and put us in the next segment and Amy's on the line. Oh, can we hold Amy for the next segment? Yeah, let's. Okay. Amy, hold on. Hold, hold on, Amy. Sorry about that. I messed up. I jumped I jumped segments. That's okay. And then we can ask her what she thinks, yeah, too, because I'm sure like, she's got feelings about this, too. Yeah. And so the thing about what's interesting to me is that there's... So basically, OpenAI can search all of, you know, all these things. And, and we're all researching in media companies about how to hold our content and, like, what? how do we protect our content? And how do we, um, you know, what do we do as far as, because as, if something can scrape all of your information and then put it out there as its own, that's what's going to happen with Google coming up. Like when we search for what's your favorite uh, Ethiopian restaurant or what's the best Ethiopian restaurant, and then usually you would be able to, like Google would put up a search that would say, here's six places, you know, that are recommended by so-and-so, here's where it's been mentioned. And now it's going to come up with its own page. So you see where you would click through to our best restaurants list or something like that. You're going to bypass all of the creators. Yep. It's just going to take the information that we've said and then put it onto its own page so that you never leave its page. So then we lose traffic. Then we lose money. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because Google doesn't want to keep paying out money. Right. Well, they just clicks. Well, they want to keep it and advertise to you on their own page. Yes. Instead of paying for you to go instead of giving a free pass to the next page and then having it be open for you know, for them to be figuring it to sell the ads against. Well, and creators get revenue based on how many Google Clicks. ads yep. run on their page. Right. If Google doesn't have to pay you to display their ads, right. you can just get them displayed on their own with the same content. Yeah, it is concerning. So there's a lot. So Paula Forbes, who writes for Stained Page News on Substack, and she's a brilliant like cookbook. Like uh, she's the cookbook um, sort of sociologist in my mind. Like yeah, she that's really, a great way to describe her. It's her beat. It's not just that she writes books. It's her beat. So yep. like look at books and see how they're playing out. And, and it's a really fascinating newsletter, but she wrote this really, well, the Atlantic published a three part series um, about the books, three data set, which is a collection of nearly 200,000 books being used by a company called open AI. And it's using that data set to write and learn. And basically you can look, you can search the data set and you can find out if your book is on there. And there are a lot of cookbooks on there. And so the Authors Guild is suing the, to keep it closed. And there are lots of lawsuits pending um, against these, these AI search bots. Um, because basically what they're saying is if you have, um, if it pulls your data, you know, and, and has your techniques and stuff, then what does it need you for, right? So I asked Zoe this question, and I thought her answer was really interesting. She said, well, in the time of, you know, the Internet, even, she goes, what I think happened with my Instagram following what wasn't just that I um, put out whatever the creative stuff. She goes, but she's like, I'm a big believer in the 10,000 hours of work to become an expert, not this instant, I've read your thing and now I'm an expert. So 
for her, she's like, I answered questions. And cooking, as we know, is an act. It is a physical act. And there's many things that can go wrong. And there's a lot of questions about it. And so she said that one of the things that really separated her from everybody else was the fact that she could answer questions. Or engagement. Yeah, and that was exactly that. She answered mm-hmm. questions. She engaged with her fans. And so that was a piece of it that was that you can't get from an AI recipe. They can't answer your question. And so I think that then we think about that. That's how I think that's the difference that's going to make. So this is the stuff that we can ask Amy. Yes, we can. <laughs> when we come back, we'll talk with Amy Thielen. Welcome back to the Weekly Dish. Uh, we are here with Amy Thielen, the cookbook author of Company, The Radically Casual Art of Cooking for Others. Hi, Amy. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for thanks holding for holding. Over. We totally just got our brains messed up. I did. <laughs> no problem. I've been listening. It's great convers- great, interesting uh, topic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Amy is the author of Company, but she's also author of a memoir, Give a Girl a Knife, The New Midwestern Table. Um, she has a show that aired on the Food Network and hails from the great state of Minnesota. And we are happy to have yeah. you here. Thank you. Yeah. Your book, I was saying earlier that it reminds me of a book that would be right up Stephanie's alley. A, the writing in it is beautiful mm-hmm. and there's tons of great recipes. But the whole idea is like trying to demystify this entertaining for people, mm-hmm. right? What gave you the idea? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it just sprung out of what I do for in real life. You know, my agent wanted a cookbook proposal. And at <laughs> one point, at one point I, I wrote to her and I said, Oh, I'm, I'm wasting so much time cooking. Ha ha. Right. Yeah. Like, because I was always throwing these dinner parties, you know, I live way out in the woods and it's kind of, it's just what we do here. You know, there's not, it's, we don't entertain each other or hang out at restaurants, you know? So, um, I, I throw it just for fun and to blow off steam. And, um, that's my idea of re- relaxation is like inviting a bunch of people over and I, you know, I'm going to make something on a Friday night and, they bring drinks, and that's what we do. Yeah. So th- this book came out of out of my life, and I thought, well, let's just I'm going to do that. And then a lot of these recipes are in my repertoire, in my in my home cooking, home entertaining repertoire, and I've made a lot of them for many years. Did this book feel super personal to you? Because it reads like that you do cook these dishes over and over and over again. Yes. I mean, it got, yes, yeah, it's totally it's personal, but it got a little bit more personal, I think, the tone of the writing, because I was writing a lot of it during the um, lockdown and um, during COVID, you know? So I think at that point, the book changed a little bit because I was writing about having people over when you couldn't have people over. Yes, right. Um, sort of wistful. And it got, yeah, it got like a little bit more, yeah, weighty, you know? It became so much more important. It's not like entertaining is something like oh it's kind of a drag sometimes or you know it's not i just realized how important it was i guess and so i what i love also too is this idea that it's like when we talk about entertaining with the capital e you know we've all kind of grown up with that idea that we have to like do all these things and check all these boxes and have these napkins that you only have once a year and all this stuff (laughs) and i and i love that like this vibe of this entire thing is entertaining with the lowercase e which is just 
gather your people mm-hmm. and and pay attention to like how you eat as a group. And tell me a little bit about how you think this is a movement a little bit more. Well, I mean, it's how I grew up, yeah. honestly, you know, um, I'm from Park Rapids and <laughs> my mom, was, you know, she she would entertain. Sometimes she'd throw, you know, kind of a fancy party. And I remember the difference would be like that women's heel, women would be wearing heels or people would be wearing shoes inside the house. Yeah. And it'd sink into the carpet, you know, because that was unusual. Um, but mostly, we, you know, she would throw also like block parties in the garage. And I think that style is really a way of life around here. And I think that nationally it became just, you know, cooking became less aspirational. And it just, that kind of aspirational cooking kind of rang false during, you know, in the last few years. So I think that um, for countrywide, I think people are open and ready to just welcome people to their houses without making everything perfect, you know. Right. When we had entertaining, like, we'd have to clean for a week. You know, my mom would mm-hmm. have, like, ironing the tablecloth. It was such a production. And I remembered as a kid thinking, mm-hmm. this is never how I want my life to be. Like, I want to be the house where people leave their shoes on, where it's cleaned up enough that you could come mm-hmm. over any single time, walk in my door, and I can make you a sandwich. Yeah. I felt like for yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, my house growing up. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's how your house is. Yeah, and my house is kind of like that even in the woods now. Um, There's a lot of activity here, you know, people coming and going. And I think there's something about the pressure that's off, that you don't have to pretend for the people. You don't have to pretend that you're, you know, that you're anything other than who you are. And I think that's when I feel about, like, the Martha Stewart era of entertaining, which, you know, our age group kind of had that as as maybe the aspirational goal. Yes. But at the same time, like, now that we're real people... Like, there's that yeah. idea that you don't have to pretend that you you don't have to have, like, a worry about the dust bunnies, you know? Right. Well, I mean, Martha Stewart's first entertaining book that came out in the 90s, early 90s, you know, it's a, it's a, you have to go see this. Go look at it again. But it's, it's, it's a catering book because she was a caterer. Right, right. So things are, like, really perfect. Yes, you know, it's all organized. It's, like, it's displayed. And that's not what I'm doing here at all. I mean... If you think you have pressure to have people over as a normal person, think about what it's like for a cookbook off. I, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I have a reputation to uphold. Right. And, and I feel like by making things, by always having a work in progress on the table, you know, I always do that. I'm like, all right, this is a test. Tell me what you think. You know, so in that way, I kind of crowdsource some of, um, you know, I get other people's feedback. So by doing that, I think I kind of like lower their expectation a little bit. And then, you know, sometimes there's like great hits, you know, where my friends are like, this is done. This is it. Like grilled garlic bread with bacon fat and smeared tomato. I mean, come on. (laughs) I mean, that's almost unfair, Amy. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so good. Yeah, the bacon fat. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, I want to ask you, though, the AI question, if I can just veer quickly. Because as a cookbook author, how do you feel about that? I mean, how is your feeling about what's kind of evolving in the digital space? Well, I mean, I've always been, my content really lives in my books. Yeah. And so for me, this has always kind of been that, you know, I'm not really on, my recipes aren't out there like in the way that Zoe's are. Um, 
that that way because I don't really keep a blog. But you know what's interesting True. is I, I agree with what she said about like um, the value in it is really for me it's about how I write the recipe and also the writing. You know, I'm yeah. I'm a writer. Yeah, That's you are. A big part of what I do is like uh, it's a cookbook you take to bed and when you're hungry, you know, you're thinking about what you're going to make tomorrow. And I also write about things that are it's outside cooking just a little bit or linked, you know, different feelings and emotions and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. That's me. So, so it's like the voice is also, part of it, right? And yeah. you can't get that from AI. No, you can't. And and I know that my books are all in there too. Um, and But the thing is that, you know, Recipes are really an open source material. Right. You cannot copyright a recipe. True. And going back to like my grandma's generation, everybody who found a recipe in the paper, if they clipped it out and made it once, it became theirs. Yep. So that's Absolutely. interesting, you know, think about that. And so in my book, I kind of encourage people to like make these things their own and that, you know, it gives me joy to like, if you, if you feel like this is yours now, just call it yours. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, you know? yeah, like pickle dip. Like, that's the thing. I didn't invent pickle dip at all. And, like, there are a million women, even my Nana's bourbon balls. That is from the back of, like, a can somewhere. And you can find it in every church cookbook, but they're my Nana's bourbon balls, yeah. right? So that's the weird they part about this. Hers. Yeah. And, you know, I was just reading, um, I was just looking at the crow nut. Remember that? Oh, God. Yes. So that was, like, you know, 10 years ago, right? And it was Dominique Ansel, you know, and he's like TM. It's like, you know, copyright. Um, but you know whose original idea that was? Sherry Yard, the pastry chef from uh, the West Coast, from oh. L.A. Because it was in the back of the back page of a food arts magazine. Yeah. And I ran into her at a party once. And I said, that was an incredible article that you wrote in that. And it was like an old magazine. So she's like, hey, nerd. Food you arts know? was amazing. And, um, right. Right? And she's like, yeah, that's the cronut. That's the cronut? I mean, that just slayed me. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, this guy, like, copyrighted it. And I'm like, maybe they're friendly. Maybe it's fine. I don't mean to put anything into that. But I'm just saying, like, women kind of share recipes. Yeah. You know? There's a history of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like just, I come at this from like the business perspective of when I owned a business and I used to think like we had all these trade secrets. And my husband said to me once, he said, Stephanie, nothing you think of is original or (laughs) special. He said, you just have to execute it better than the last guy. Yeah. Or girl. Or girl. And I was like, oh. Yeah, so that helped me calm down about all of these thoughts about, like, my exclusive secrets. Yeah, I mean, at the, on the flip side, there's another point to be made about, you know, the work you put into something and it getting just, like, taken. Yeah. So that, I mean, it's happened to me, like, I saw my uh, my strawberry sun jam, which is my grandma's recipe, and I did it, and it's on NPR. Um, and it's you make this sun jam by evaporating it out in the sun, right? Strawberry jam. And somebody kind of grabbed that and took it. And that one sort of felt like, I was like, that's my grandma's recipe. <laughs> right. You know? right. So, so that felt different. Yeah. Say. That is. Are you on a book tour? Yeah. I am. Where can people see you? Yeah, I just got, okay, so I just got back from New York and L.A. And then I have done a lot of stuff in Minnesota. Um, I was just at the farmer's market. So next in Minnesota, I have to... I'm going to schedule like more of a fall thing sure. with milkweed, I think. 
Um, so I, I'll it, just pay attention to my Instagram, I guess. Okay. But next I go to South Carolina and Charleston and then the Texas Book Festival. Oh, my God. So, That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. But I'm throwing in some, like, Minnesota signings. And up north, I am doing a signing at the Two Inlet Store on Deer Camp Opener Weekend. Woohoo! So that's going to be fun. <laughs> yes. I love it. All over the place. It'll yeah. be great. Uh, we are talking mm-hmm. with Amy Thielen. You want to pick up her book. It's mm-hmm. called Company, The Radically Casual Art of Cooking for Others by Amy Thielen. Also, read her memoir. Yeah. It is super knife. good. Come on. One of our favorites. Love it. Thank thanks for too. being on the show today, Amy. Thanks, Amy. We'll be yeah, right thanks. back. All right. Welcome back to Weekly Dish, you guys. Amy Thielen is a national treasure. That's all I'm going to say. She really is. And the way that she, her perspective on how she sees entertaining, again, as someone who grew up where you couldn't entertain unless the house was completely clean. And so we never did it. Like, that's always what I, I actually, when I first met you and we first started doing the show, you entertained like a lot. Yeah. And just people coming and you had lots of kids and all of that. And I love that about you because we entertain a lot too. Mm -hmm. Just like, I want my house to always feel like if you come in and I can make you a drink and maybe I'll wrestle up a piece of cheese or something. You know, I didn't realize that my mom's house was not good for entertaining until I had to like sell it. You know what I mean? And then I was like, Oh God, we used to have, she used to just have us all like, she'd clear out the chairs around the kitchen table and that would be the buffet in this teeny tiny nook in the corner. And then we would all sit in the living room with plates on our laps and we did it a lot. She had Easter's, she had Thanksgiving, she did all of those things. Oh, that's funny observation. And I didn't realize it wasn't big enough until I was like. You saw it through someone else's eyes. And I was like, oh, people are like, oh, well, there's nowhere to entertain. I'm like, well, how did we have parties? Because I think we did. All the time. All the time. And yeah, so, your mom's and I know the that place. I live in a smaller house than I've ever lived in. And, you know, I still managed to have people on the deck every weekend this last summer. I yeah. swear to God. So I just think that that's, that's the heart of Amy's book. And I think as we go into, you know, feast season with Thanksgiving and with holidays and like having, if you think like, oh, I've always wanted to have a cocktail party. But I don't have the space for it. You have the space. You live in a house or an apartment. I mean, I'll never forget when we were in Stephanie Myers, you know, and we would have to put the bottles of wine in like the sink in the bathroom. And that's just worked out well. I That house was real cute. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, too, I think, when you just think about cookbooks and entertaining in general and how a lot of it is kind of aspirational. Yeah. Like you're seeing this through this lens of... Like, oh, I could do this. Am I going to do this? I don't know. Is this, I guess for me, and I've been thinking about this a lot because I've been traveling a lot. We've been up at the lake and at the lake, we entertain a lot, just family, but it's still entertaining. You did a lot of it. And I am like ready to just kind of be in the next step down of entertaining, which is just like more casual. Yeah. Because I don't want to not have someone over like I think that what COVID taught us is that there can be lots of these little gatherings yeah and like being outside and having your fire pit and just like hey anyone in the neighborhood want to come over like or bringing a plate of cookies to someone I I have a great neighbor and you know we travel a lot so she helps me with lots of things so I'm always bringing food over and now when I knock on the door and the door opens her kid who's four will say what did you bring us to eat Miss Stephanie and I just love that. Yeah. It makes me so happy that she's associating me with coming and bringing good yes, things to the house. Totally. I love it. That's so good. I love that. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You ever get that feeling where you know you need to get something off your chest? Holding stuff in really becomes a stressor. Things you want to mention to your boss, your partner, your parents. Bottling it up only makes things worse and start to make our life go sideways. But what can we do about it? Therapy is a great safe space to get things off our chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Sometimes just putting those bottled up words out into the universe can be a big help, especially when it's in a safe space with your therapist. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You start by filling out a questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Weekly Dish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Weekly Dish. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Um, hey, you guys, I wanted to let you know that the Twin Cities Film Fest is back oh, on Oh, yes. Week. And it's important to know. Kicks off on Thursday with a very important film. It's Stories Behind the Menu, which is, uh, as you guys remember, we've talked about the dinner series, and some of you guys have come to the dinner series, and this is an Amanda Brinkman uh, documentary about that dinner series. And I'm I'm so excited for Shay Sandifer and Julie Burton, who have put together this great dinner series. You and I have both been there multiple times. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and we as the magazine, you know, supported them. A lot and, uh, you know, throughout the first couple years. And I'm just I'm really proud of their journey and what they're accomplishing. And this movie I'm excited is just a really great sort of distillation of what this whole means. It's not just dinner. So uh, that's at um, it's on the October 19th at 530 p.m. Tickets are twelve dollars if you want to go. There's definitely random shots of me in the background for sure. <laughs> I'm floating through all. I don't talk. I don't think at all, which is great. There but, is another dinner too with Heather Jans coming up in December. The final one. The Curry Diva. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't spent any time with her, she's a really interesting person. She's one you should have on your show. She's had an amazing life. Yeah. I cannot wait. I'm going to go to that dinner. And you're right. I should have her on you my show. You should do a thing with her. She's She'd amazing. be great. She really talks about activation and the Ayurvedic uh, way of eating and like how that can activate your health. We should have run. We should have run this. Show. Yes, we should. I know. Yes, we should. Um, the other thing about I just want to make sure you know that the other thing that I wanted to uh, shout out about the film festival, there is a great movie called The Taste of Things that is a showing at the festival. And it is this French movie, you guys, that is a Juliette Binoche, who is oh, one of my so favorite fantastic. actresses. It's about this woman who is, you know, she's like the cook for this gourmand. And so they work together and there's sort of this like tense love story. It is it is the food movie you want where you watch like beautiful searing of a rack of lamb I like it. and like all the food porn scenes for that one for sure will make you want to cook. French it's nice you. that because she was one of the actresses silenced by the Harvey Weinstein scandal. Oh, he uh, after she was in the English patient. Oh, is that? She just kind of disappeared. disappeared. That's mm-hmm. too bad. Like many other female actresses yes. did that had Said entanglements no. or were. Yeah. 
I don't want to say entanglement. So that's not the right word because no. they were assaulted. They were abused. Correct. Yes. So, uh, but this one is, um, this is the taste of things is I think on the 20th um, or the 22nd. And it is, it, everyone is, if I've been reading things about it, that is just, everyone is like agog about this movie. Have so. you started watching Cause I haven't. The Great British Bake Off has started again. Um, I am not a watcher of the Great British Bake Off. I find this so, so strange. strange. Why? I it's, know. You would love it. I know, but I just, I, I don't know. I don't, I haven't jumped into it. It felt like it got to be like this thing and everyone was like all about it. And you know, at that point I'm like, well, it's kind of feels late. Maybe you should start at the beginning in. though. They're delicious. They're I perfect. I know. I can't watch this season yet until Kurt is with me. So oh, okay. we have, that is a show we do not cheat on each other on. Oh, we good. have dedicated Great British Bake Off time. I am, I'm also looking forward to Top Chef being filmed in Milwaukee right now yeah. with Kristen Kitsch. I can't wait to get back on that bandwagon. That is great. And they are all over the place. I have friends who have reported yes. many things in kitchens that are happening. And which I have been sworn to secrecy. Yes. I'm not allowed to say. So. No, I actually met someone the other day, too, that was like, oh, I just got back from Top Chef. Yeah. But don't say anything. Don't I was say like, anything. Okay. Oh, my God. How I fun was it. that? That's so good. Um, okay. So what else is going on around in town? Uh, what else is going on around town? Uh, cookbook swap today. Come. Uh, what do we have next week? We've got some stuff coming up. Oh, I want to just briefly shout out um, our friend Joy Summers and Sharon Jackson did a piece on pastry in the Star Tribune Thursday taste section that I thought was really yeah, sweet. Really great. They did like, I think it was 30 the bakeries. top 30 things to get at these specific bakeries. Yeah. And I thought it was really thoughtful and well done. And there were things on there I hadn't thought of or heard of. So I always think, oh, look at that. That's cool. Totally. Totally. Hey, it's Pumpkin Fest at Tangletown Gardens. Okay, if I you're told thinking, you I'm having pumpkin feels. I know. You should go to Tangletown. You can't. There's no time for you today. <laughs> Not Sorry. today. But tomorrow you could go. Maybe. They're, they, they're doing like all sorts of fun stuff. They've got tons of pumpkins. If you're looking for that perfect one to, to cook or to carve, um, they've got, uh, you know, Wiseacre Eatery next door has pumpkin bread, pumpkin French toast, and yada yadas. Pumpkin French toast. I know, that's a, that's Yum. a whole vibe. Um, it is also Autumn Brew Review today at Boom Island if you want to go get a bunch of craft beer. Um, and all sorts of fun stuff, you guys. You have Restaurant Week for two more days. PS, oh, I forgot. Shoot. And I know. And then we're going to talk more about all the new stuff coming bubbling up in the yes. restaurant industry next week. So you always have good scoops, March. Tuned. We got it all. We'll be right we'll, we won't be right back. We'll see you next week. Okay. Ciao ciao.